0: To chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history through historical Chinese dramas. I am our host, Kathy. Today we will discuss episode 41 of The Story of Ming Lan or Zhu Fo, Zhu Fo, Ying Shi Fei Hong The podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas, or else email us. Also, please leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to. We also have a new poll on our website. We are more than halfway through our current drama and are looking to you to vote for what drama we should discuss next please head over to ChasingDramas.com to vote. Well, for today's episode, we will start off with the episode recap, then go on to historical analysis, and then finally close off with some book differences. This is the first episode with Minglan and Gu Tingye as a married couple. She has a new hairstyle, a new wardrobe, new living conditions, and, of course, new challenges. As the bride in the family, there are a ton of rules she now must follow, and, of course, with the Gu family, there's a lot of pitfalls she must avoid. There are new characters in her battlefield after she has, uh, let's say, significantly leveled up, and her adversaries are much more complicated than any she's encountered so far. So let's see how Minglan does on her first days as a newlywed. The morning after the wedding, the Gu Manor is still bedecked with red. Gu Tingye is already awake and practicing martial arts while Minglan is lazing around in bed. She's now a married woman, but she still hasn't been able to shake off the fact that she's still a late sleeper. Well, because Minglan is now married into the Gu family, the morning after the wedding is dedicated to the Gu side of the family, specifically the woman. The yawning Minglan is helped by her new husband in putting on makeup as he lays out the family relations. Let's go through the list of Gu family women for now. First up is Niangzi, So she is Gu Tingye's stepmother. She prides herself in being outwardly kind-hearted, poised, and serene, but in reality, she is as evil as uh, one gets. She's also like the evil stepmother, and we've seen her over uh, the drama. Next up, we have the fourth aunt. She is the wife of Gutiña's fourth uncle. She's pretty short-tempered. And finally, we have the fifth aunt. She is the wife of Gutiña's fifth uncle. She is definitely a bit more calculating. After Min fixes up her makeup that Gu Tingye confidently ruined, she heads over to greet the woman. And so, the first battle begins. At first, initial greetings go well. But then, just as Gu Tingye predicts, the short-tempered fourth aunt starts with the offensive. She mentions that on this day, There is someone that should be brought to the forefront. After some back and forth between Qin Danyangzi and the fourth aunt-in-law, the fourth aunt, Ning Lan inquires as to who this is. Qin Danyangzi explains that this is a woman named Hong Xiao. She used to be a maid in Gu Tingye's residence. After a while, she decided to keep her in his rooms. Xin Dan has given back Hong Xiao's maishen or a uh, servant or slave contract, and money in order to marry elsewhere. But she is adamant in waiting for Gu Tingye. This woman has gone and tried to commit suicide because she has nowhere else to go and wants to stay. I will dive in uh, later during the analysis on what it means to uh, keep her in his room for Gu Tingye. And this is where Qin Dan Yangzi starts exhibiting her prowess with words. She tactfully explains that Hong Xiao could be seen as a romantic. After all, she was waiting for Gu Tingye to return, and now he's married. He's probably forgot all about Hong Xiao. As a woman, how will she ever live in society moving forward? Milan gets the gist of the conversation. She point-blank asks whether the request is to bring Hong Xiao back to her quarters or back to the residence and put her up as a concubine. And this is exactly what the ladies of the Gu family want. The morning after a wedding, they're trying to give Ming Lan a slap in the face by adding another person into her marriage and the fourth aunt in particular, have the gall to say that having a new concubine will help Gu Tingye improve his stature at court. They go so far as to say, what kind of woman doesn't have a couple of concubines? This is rather despicable. They're women themselves. Don't they know how hurtful this can be? Why are they using the binds put on them by men to other women instead of helping each other out? Minglan seemingly is backed into a corner, but she is not to be trifled with. She resolutely says with a dry smile to please forgive her for not being able to follow these orders. This greatly displeases the fourth aunt, who starts to admonish Minglan by saying things like, Is this how the Sheng family taught their daughter? Again, it's all about reputation. But Minglan hides behind her husband and brings out the fact that Hu Tingye said he does not want to bring in any concubines at the moment. Therefore, if Minglan brings home a concubine, it would displease her husband, which she cannot do. As a wife, her husband's wants are the most important. The ladies in the hall don't fully accept this, and Qin Danyan even pushes Minglan even further. She asks, well, why doesn't Lan just bring Hongxiao back to their quarters? The type of position they give her can be discussed at a later time. Lan though, isn't fooled. She knows full well that if she brings Hongxiao back to their residence, it's game over for them. If she tries to get rid of a concubine in her home, she'd garner a jealous and critical reputation. Plus, the in-laws will be able to insert themselves further. The only option for Lan at this point is to stand her ground. Soon after, Hong Xiao becomes upset that no one wants her and decides to try to kill herself on the spot. As the drama heats up, Lan deploys her next tactic. Before anyone can say anything, she proactively kneels to the ground and professes that she has made a mistake. She then asks to kneel in the Gu family shrine to recant her faults. Next thing we see is Ming Lan in the shrine. At first, this seems like a rather heavy self-inflicted punishment. But Ming Lan explains to her two maids, who are also kneeling with her, that she knows full well that the Gu family women want to cause her trouble. So why not just fall off the horse now and admit defeat instead of consistently fighting in the near future? Besides, it does not look good to the outside world if the new bride is forced to kneel in the family shrine the first day after her wedding day. To the outside world, it would mean that the mother-in-law is extremely harsh. That is what Minglan is banking on to help resolve the issue for Minglan's mother-in-law to come fetch her from the shrine in order to save her reputation as a kind woman. Sure enough, the three senior women, or the three Gu family women, are discussing the events. The fourth aunt is still all in a huff, saying all sorts of nasty things, like, oh my god, how can she, while the fifth aunt stays silent. Qin Da Niangzi, though, as predicted by Lan, tries to calm the fourth aunt down and goes to pick up Lan from the shrine in order to seem as though Minglan was only bullied by the fourth aunt but saved by the mother-in-law. At the shrine, Lan continues to show an apologetic tone and says that she will do whatever Gu Tingye would like for Hong Xiao's future. The stepmother-in-law, though, calmly explains that this was all a misunderstanding and there's nothing more to be said on this subject. She helps ming up from a mule and escorts her out of the shrine. With that, ming has won her first battle in the Gu family. These ladies wanted to put her in her place on the first morning by adding another woman into her marriage, but ming was able to successfully fend off these advances. Let's give Minglan a round of applause for her performance today. And now to my favorite part of the episode. Minglan returns to her rooms and sees Gu Tingye calmly writing at the table. She immediately discards with any pretense of being calm and demure. Instead, she sees him sitting there and doesn't even say hi. She tosses her handkerchief, and angrily sits down while questioning, why didn't he even come to find her? What a change in attitude. But that's also her true self, or a glimpse of her true self. You see that even though they've only been married one day, she's able to kind of be her actual self around Gu Tingye. Do you think she would have been able to behave this way if she married He Wen or Qi Hong? Probably not. Gu Tingye takes all of her frustrations in stride, but then they have a great debrief of the saga that was Minglan versus the female in-laws. Minglan saw straight through the fact that it had to have been Gu Tingye's stepmother who orchestrated the whole thing. After all, no one other than the mother of the groom would have the ability to stick a concubine in her son's room the day after his wedding. Milan surmises that this stepmother-in-law must have complained and cried about home to the fourth aunt for several days, which caused the fourth aunt to outright attack Milan earlier in the morning. This is a really smart tactic, if you ask me. Cause havoc, but don't let it seem like havoc was caused by said stepmother. Instead, have the animosity come from the fourth aunt. Fortunately... Minglan surmised all those years of fighting between women in her own home gave her a lot of experience, so she was able to easily unravel the plot. However, Minglan then asks whether or not Gu Tingye actually wants to bring Hong Xiao into the chambers or into their uh, residence. That's where Gu Tingye revealed the sad truth that it wasn't he who wanted Hong Xiao, but rather one of his cousins. Uh, the cousin became enamored and raped Hong Xiao after the fact he didn't want to own up to it and they stuck Hong Xiao with Gu Tingye to avoid any responsibility. Gu Tingye didn't have much choice and had to accept the framing because back then his reputation was in the gutter and he didn't know how to fight back. Nilan accepts this explanation and much to the chagrin of Gu Tingye says that if he ultimately wants to get a concubine in the future that's okay. As long as the woman has a good character and can live peacefully then Minglan herself does not have an issue. This saddens Gu Tingye and will be a reoccurring theme in the second half of the drama. To distract them from this heavy topic though Gu Tingye drags Minglan off to eat at Fanlou, the best restaurant in the city. And with that, the first day of being married in the Gu family comes to an end. While Minglan and Gu Tingye are happy with the results, the evil stepmother is not. Her kind demeanor immediately shifts from one of serene and calm to another of extreme anger after learning that her two sister in laws were chatting poorly about her behind her back on this whole debacle. This information, of course, was relayed to the stepmother by her trusty maid, Xiang Mama. Anyone realize who Xiang Mama is? She is none other than the nun Jing Bai from Empresses in the Palace. Surprised? In both dramas, she plays an unsavory character that is out to harm the main lead. In any case, we see the anger and wrath that comes from the evil stepmother for failing to cause drama. She recognizes immediately that Ming Lan is someone who will be difficult to trifle with. But this Qin Da Niangzi is patient. There will be plenty of time to cause havoc and destroy Gu Tingye. Gu Tingye, though, in an effort to dote and protect his wife from the drama of the Gu family, calls for a meeting with his stepmother and his fourth and fifth uncle. He announces that he and his new wife are going to move out of the Gu manor into a nearby property called Cheng Yuan that the emperor gifted him. This greatly displeases his uncles, who think that this is very disrespectful. After recounting how their wives bullied his wife on the first day of marriage, Gu Tingye provides a rather veiled threat to force the family to accept this move. He says that as a new member of the emperor's inner circle and one who is awarded numerous gifts and wealth, if the stepmother does not agree to let them go, the stepmother will end up with a greedy reputation. It'll seem like the only reason she wants Gu Tingye and his wife to stay is to keep their wealth. As Qin Da Niangzi says, where does this type of um, thought come from? To which Gu Tingye says, you never know how rumors start and it will be difficult to quell. My reading is that he's more than happy to start spreading these rumors. Qin Da Niangzi as we've seen uh, in this episode and previously, cares for her reputation beyond all else, and therefore has no other option than to back down. Even though Gu Tingye successfully secured this move, as his older brother surmises after learning of these developments, Gu Tingye will not be able to separate his relationship with the Gu family. There will be plenty of actions by their stepmother in the coming days. The episode ends with a tour of the new grounds that Minglan will now manage. Again, the property is called Cheng Yuan and will certainly be a test for Minglan as the new wife to Gu Tingye. And lastly, on the third day of the marriage, Minglan and her husband head back to the Sheng family. This is customary to return back to your mother's side of the family after the third day of marriage and to bring your husband. For this reunion, all three of the younger daughters return with their husbands, Minglan, Wulan, and Mu Lan. And immediately, Mu Lan starts complaining about the fact that their carriage is smaller than Minglan's and is upset. Pretty true to character. In the next episode, we will see what issues crop up now that Minglan has married into such a wealthy and powerful family and to a wealthy and powerful man. Alrighty, let's start with our historical analysis. First up, Bai Gao Early in the episode, Gu Tingye is in the courtyard performing a workout with his spear. He tells Dan Zhu, a maid, not to bother Milan and to let her sleep a bit. They had already performed the Bai Gao ceremony earlier that day. We discussed in the previous episode that this is to pay respects to the parents and also to the family shrine. This actually is in accordance to uh, Bei Song or Northern Song dynasty tradition in which the Bai Tang or going to the family shrine occurs in the next day. As the wife of a son of a main wife, Ming Lan is also added to the family genealogy. This step isn't shown in the drama. So that's why Ming Lan is all tired, said, I want to sleep again, because she had already woken up to perform certain rituals and then now she's just taking a nap. Let's now talk about Minglan's appearance now that she is married. On the first day of marriage, she's wearing red, fine. But when she heads back to the Shung family, her outfit is a deeper blue than she has worn as an unmarried woman. Her hairstyle has also undergone the biggest change. She previously had bangs and a softer look. After marrying, you'll see that all women in the drama have their hair fully pulled back into elegant knots and buns at the top of their head. This specific type of hairstyle, from what I read, is called chao chaotiangin and is favored by Song Dynasty married women. There is a clear delineation between the married and unmarried women, and a key differentiator is hairstyle. For married women all the hair has to be pulled up. So as you'll see in proper dramas, there are no bangs for married women. You're supposed to seem more poised, collected and reserved with this hairstyle and with uh, clothing color choice. Mulan is sometimes seen to have uh, bangs, but it's like pretty rare. But usually for this drama, most everyone has adhered to, um, if you're married, no bangs. Small call-out for the drama, hierarchy was very important in Chinese society, and that could be seen in how, in this drama at least, the fourth and fifth families sat in the hall. For the ladies, the fourth aunt always sat closer to the stepmother, and the stepmothers always seated at the head of, I I would say, the table or the head of the household. For the gentlemen, it was the same. It's subtle, but I appreciated the fact that the drama also took note of this. And um, you'll see in the drama, or we've also discussed this in previous episodes, but whoever's at the head of the table, there's a lot of strict social structures and how everything is set. So I'm glad that even in the Gu family, they follow that pretty closely. Okay, next up, I want to discuss Fang. And this has to do with the drama that is surrounding this Hong Xiao whom the stepmother wanted Minglan to take back as a concubine. It's probably some of the more unsavory portions of Chinese culture that I am extremely glad does not exist anymore. When watching empresses in the palace, every woman that the emperor enjoys is given at least some type of title, no matter how big or small, because at the end of the day, she is a woman of the emperor. That is not necessarily the case outside of the palace walls. The literal translation of Tongfang means to enter rooms. This stands for maids who are able to freely spend the night with the man they are serving. It could be a man who has not married yet, as with the case with Changfang, Milan's third brother, or with men who are married, as with the case with Hongxiao. Oftentimes, Tongfang are there um, to help young men get some experience before marrying, and that is uh, sexual experience. The status of these women was extremely low, beneath that of even a concubine. These women acted as maids, but were also able to spend the night with their male master. There was literally no way a tongfang could become a wife of a prestigious household. The best she could do is probably become a concubine. Usually tongfang either just keep their status as a maid, were gifted to others as a concubine, or married a man of rather low status. So again, it's not like they had many um, options for them, especially for a society that prized uh, virginity. For, for wives. For me, the existence of this type of title or role speaks to the patriarchal society that Imperial China developed, which debased women as thoroughly as possible. Even the discussion on uh, Hong Xiao's rape was kind of just brushed off by Ku Ting which I felt pretty icky about. Um, but unfortunately for women of that time, there wasn't much they could do. Women were expected to follow strict rules, but men had a lot more leeway and could go off and have fun as they pleased. Well, now you know what Tongfang means, uh, which is what Xiao was. Um, and we won't see too many of them in the drama, but um, wanted to clarify for listeners here. All right, and finally, let's talk about Men. This is a traditional custom in which the newlywed couple returns back to the bride's family, usually three days after the wedding. The meaning is to thank the bride's family for raising the daughter, and of course, to show family and friends that the couple is happy and content. Typically, all family members from the bride's family, including all of the husbands, arrive to celebrate, which is why we see Ruolan and Mu Lan's husbands in attendance. Hua Lan, who is the eldest daughter of the Sheng family, should also be there, uh, but it's not really explained why she isn't in the drama. Alrighty. So that was the historical analysis. I do want to talk a little bit about the hierarchy of the Gu family. Um because it is a little bit confusing on who's who, so I'll uh, discuss here. So there is the oldest house, or Fang, which included Gu Tingye's father. This line inherits the marquee's title. Then there's the fourth house and the fifth house. The current masters are blood brothers of Gu Tingye's father, so they are both are born from the main wife, from Gu Tingye's grandparents. The book doesn't go into a lot of detail on the other houses, but it can be assumed that they were most likely from either Shu Chu families or they decided um, to leave the family years back. The fourth and fifth houses are basically leeches on the Marquis family. No one from those lines really make a name from themselves, and As it's somewhat alluded to in the book, some of these family members are absolute dogs. The drama also uh, does not go into many details about um, other characters from the fourth and fifth houses. Um, When I was reading the book, there were so many characters I had to keep constantly reminding myself like who's who, who's who. But thankfully, the drama just cut away uh, from other miscellaneous characters. Now let's talk about um, differences in the book. In the book, Gu Tingye and Minglan wake up the next morning after their wedding to complete their marriage ceremonies, which includes meeting the family and having Minglan be added into the family genealogy, which I discussed was not shown in the drama. Minglan is introduced to the whole family, including all of the in-laws, cousins, and most of the extended family. Once again, In the book, the women of the Gu family are quite impressed at Minglan's poise and demeanor. (laughs) Minglan internally jokes that Madame Kong or Kong mo teachings didn't go to waste. Who knew that three of the four Sheng family daughters would actually use her teachings later in life? And who are the three? Why, that's Hua Lan, Mo Lan, and Minglan, because all three of them married into aristocratic families. Well, Gu Tingye quickly gets into a row with the family about moving out. In a huff, he actually ditches Minglan to fend for herself amongst the rest of the family. But Lan is able to hold her ground pretty admirably. Everyone is actually secretly impressed at uh, what she's able to accomplish. It's hilarious because, like 20 minutes later, Gu Tingye sends a maid and profusely apologizes to her that she forgot about her <laughs> and like, left her amongst the wolves. In the book, Gu Tingye's daughter Rongjie has never met Ming Lan before, so they don't have a relationship. She meets Minglan for the first time after the wedding. The others that are introduced include a few other concubines. In the drama, we only meet Hong Xiao, which is just one concubine. Um, two women actually are introduced as um, Tong Fang, or a concubine. The Gu family doesn't outright put Milan in the awkward position to accept the concubines without Gu Tingye. They introduce them in Gu Tingye's presence. Ming unlike in the Drama doesn't say much and accepts them. Gu Tingye actually gets quite pouty later on of the fact that Milan seemingly doesn't care about his past experiences and concubines. This part is similar to the book, but um, if we kind of remember all of my discussions about the book before, Milan doesn't really know Gu Tingye. She can only portray, like, the loving and more uh, obedient wife. She wasn't going to stick her neck out just yet. To, um, to openly defy her stepmother if she didn't need to at that point. I mean, what did Ting expect? She was one new bride in a family of who knows what. Um, concubines were the least of her worries at that point. All right, and that's that for this episode. Uh, yeah, Milan just married into a pretty wealthy and famous household, but I don't know if she knows what she got herself into. So we'll see what happens in the next episodes. If you haven't already, check out our website with the latest drama reviews we've done or follow along with the dramas we're currently watching. If you're looking for sites to watch dramas and you're in the U.S., head on over to Jubao TV. That's J-U-B-A-O TV. It's a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. You can stream it through the website Jumo, X-U-M-O, or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. Again, all of this is free. The music you heard is a Zither piece called Lan, with sheet music by Bing Jiu Yo Jun and played by Karen. We'll catch you all next time.